What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. My name is Philip, your host. Today, we're going to be doing something a little different. Kalen is currently in Costa Rica, so today I'm by myself. But uh, I'm going to use this time to answer a lot of Q&As that I've been getting ever since that we uh, released our podcast, maybe about four weeks ago now. If you're new to the podcast, the Modern Day Sniper Podcast is a podcast uh, specific and dedicated to that modern-day rifleman you know, looking for relevant information in the art of long-range shooting. You know, whether you're a law enforcement sniper, military sniper, hunter, long-range competitor, or even just a long-range enthusiast, you know, you're listening to this podcast because deep down your end goal is to master the craft of being a precision rifleman. Uh, Kalen and I at Modern Day Sniper, we dubbed the concept putting mindfulness behind the rifle. And what does that mean? You know, putting mindfulness behind the rifle means understanding that there's intent of um, or a bigger purpose of every time you get behind that rifle uh, you're developing some sort of skills or you know understanding what your overall intentions are with long range shooting you know so whether you're a hunter looking to use this information to extend your range on ethical kill shots whether you're a long range competitor utilizing this information to hopefully elevate your game and be the next you know the uh, world's next top precision rifleman or precision rifle shooter um, or if you're just a military law enforcement sniper and you want to be that sniper that everyone looks to to get information you know there's always guys in those units that you know you want to go go to and be like hey that's the guy that knows you know um, everything there needs to know about sniping so putting mindfulness behind the rifle also means um, understanding that ego is the enemy in order for us to evolve and grow as shooters we need to lower our ego in order for us to uh, take new concepts and apply them um, or experiment. There's no um, growth by staying in a dogmatic way of thinking. So again, if you're new to this podcast, go ahead and click the subscribe or follow. Um, if you're trying to figure out a little bit more about what Modern Day Sniper is, go ahead and check out episode one. We talk about uh, what Modern Day Sniper uh, is in the direction that it's going. I mean, if you're unfamiliar with Kalen and myself, you can go ahead and check out episode two and three, where we dive into a little bit of more of the background behind Kalen and myself. Um, you know, one thing that Kalen and I always talk about, especially, you know, as, as this concept kind of evolves of modern day sniper or being a modern day rifleman, um, although we're hosts of and the face of modern day sniper, um, if you refuse to be in a dogmatic state of mind and are always in search of a deeper understanding and out there seeking information and you're holding a sniper billet, you are a modern day sniper. You are a modern day rifleman. You know, same thing if, if um, you're listening to this information because you're tired of hearing, you know, those old fuds as they call it talk about their 30-06s and stuff like that, how how their 270s will, you know, do just as that much well and or whatever on any given day. Like, you know, you're a modern-day rifleman. You're looking for outlet to evolve your skills uh, because the current skill set that you have isn't good enough for yourself. Um uh, but at the end of the day, this isn't our isn't isn't just our way or the highway. Um, we are forever students in in this craft that no one is ever a master of. Kaylin and I are just sh- willing to share our experience with you and hope 
that with this information that we love to share with you, um, that you take this information, you go out there and you find your own truths. Um, you know, one thing that you're going to hear Kaylin and I say a lot is trust, but verify, um, you know, hopefully this lays a good, uh, foundation for you guys to evolve. Um, but hopefully, you know, you guys always have essentially a, um, something to fall back on essentially. So with that, we're going to roll kind of into what this episode is going to be about. So again, Phil Vallejo here, uh, by myself, we're going to be talking some Q and A's that I've been getting, um, ever since the release of our podcasts. Um, and, and not even just the, since the release of our podcast, I, I usually get these, uh, common questions asked all the time on my Instagram. Uh, again, guys, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you follow me on Instagram and you've sent me a message, you know, I, I try to get to most of them as much as I can. And some of them, they just slip by. It's just cause I, I got a lot of stuff going on. You know, I'm a, uh, a single dad uh, up here in Cody, Wyoming. So, you know, my primary bucket of income is working for Gunworks full-time as an instructor. Um, we have our off-season. And then, you know, when I get off from work, pick my daughter up and try to hang out with my daughter, you know, maybe scroll through the, you know, social media feed, uh, feed a few times. But, um, you know, every every question I get that I do try to answer, um, for the most part, some, some of the those that I've answered back, you know that I'm not trying to give you half-assed answers, okay? But uh, hopefully for those that follow me, all right, you know, and you've asked this question and I never got back to you, hopefully now this answers some of your questions. Um, And if you're listening to this too, then this is what kind of like frustrates me about um, the entitlement of some of the generation that we have nowadays. Um, Again, you know, the information that I push out on my social media um, I mean, that's free content, right? Um, and I'm not getting paid by anyone to to do that. I do it uh, because I, I enjoy doing it. Um, but if you're going to sit there and you're going to message me like, oh, okay, I guess not, or um, unfollow me and then block me or, or some crazy shit like that. Like, I mean, if, if, if you have that way of thinking, that entitlement of, of everyone owes you an answer, you can go ahead and just unfollow me right now and just unfollow this podcast because uh, I don't need that negative energy um, in my life. So for those of you who have that stuck by, even though I've got back to you, thank you for listening and thank you for understanding that life is life. Um, and hopefully, you know, you've at least made it, um, to, you know, meet up with me at a competition or, you know, whatever, um, to just kind of see who the the type of person I am. And I mean, I'm the same kind of guy, uh, that I, that I perceive to be on, on social media. So anyways, um, so the very first question, um, that, uh, that I usually get, it's, it's pretty common. It's, um, you know, Hey Phil, I've got my first competition, precision rifle competition in a few weeks. Do you have any tips, gear, um, or recommendations, you know, tripod bags, etc., cetera, uh, that you would recommend? So, you know, your first competition, first and foremost, congrats, you know, that's usually the biggest step is signing up for something uh, that you're very unfamiliar with. Um, and, and you're looking essentially when you sign up for a com- competition, what that tells me is that um, you are f- establishing a baseline of your abilities to kind of see where exactly you fall in line with your peers. Right. Um, and on top of that, you're looking to essentially just 
find out a little bit more about your craft of being a long range shooter. I'm here to tell you that nothing you can do can really prepare you for your competition, your first competition. You just got to go out there and do it. Um, before my first civilian competition, I had ran, uh, I had ran one military cyber competition back in 2015 with a partner and there was a, down in Arkansas, it was the uh, Army National Guards Army Sniper Competition, and I mean, I was completely unprepared, and I was just kind of asking my partner, who had been through the competition, I, t- I think he took the second or third of the year before, like, hey, what what to expect and stuff like that, um, and then when we went through it, there were a lot of things that I took away as was like, man, that, that should have been easy, but, you know, certain things slipped by me. And I wasn't happy with my performance. I think we ended up taking second or third uh, that year. So still pretty well. But there's a lot of things that um, I remember, you know, thinking like, man, this should be a breeze. But because I was put in a um, in a or in a condition that someone else controlled um, an environment, someone else was controlling it essentially challenged my way of thinking, uh, which now you hear it all the time, train how you fight. Um, and you all, you always hear, you always revert back to your lowest level of training. And it, it pretty much clicked to me that I wasn't training hard enough, uh, to be proficient at what I should be proficient in. So then, I mean, yeah, I even asked the structures, uh, in 2015, you know, um, after the stage, like, Hey, how's everyone doing on the stage? And usually, you know, it's, a, I mean, it's just a tough match in general. Uh, but eventually I found out that civilians were doing this and I'm like, what the heck civilians do this for fun. And then, you know, next, you know, I'm on cyber side. Thanks Frank Galley for having that. And then I'm, you know, looking at my first, uh, uh, bolt rifle. Cause you know, I didn't, I didn't get my first bolt rifle until 2015, um, and I was already a sniper for, I had been in the cyber community already for seven years. So anyways, um, but going back to the first competition, right? Don't go out there and buy stuff just for your first competition, your first match. Um, the three things, at least a minimum that I think you should have is a ballistic app. Again, uh, I think in episode four, Kaylin and I talked about which ballistic app we use, which is a Hornady Ford off. And why it's free on your phone, um, and that's assuming you know that you're running factory ammo, um, which Hornady factory ammo is very popular. Um, and then, so have a good ballistic app, um, have a good shooting bag. Okay, there's a lot of great shooting bags out there. You know, from Tap Gear, uh, Armageddon Gear, uh, We Bad, Dark, uh, Dark uh, Warhorse. Sorry, Warhorse Development. I was gonna say Dark Horse. Warhorse development, um, you know, there's a lot of great bags out there. I personally use um, either a tab rear bag or a uh, Armageddon gear uh, Razor Precision Game Changer, and um, also have some note cards to take dope or a sharpie just to write it on your hands, right? So you know, you don't need all these like Gucci setups um, that you see precision rifle competitors using. Again, I, I have that stuff because, again, I, tr- through trial and error and using a bunch of gear, I figured out what works for me. 
And at the end of the day, that's what we want. Kaylin and I want for you guys is figure out what works for you. Um, not because, you know, we tell you, hey, this is the way it needs to, needs to go. So, um, but it, I mean, at the end of the day, if it's not working for you, that's why you come to um, professionals and instructors figure out, hey, you know, X, Y, Z is happening. I'm not getting my, uh, you know, final result desired. Help me out. And then, you know, we'll call it, kind of guide you back through our experiences or whatever, what we what we feel um, is the next step uh, for your growth. Anyways, um, <clears throat> So some note cards to take dope uh, and or a Sharpie to write on your hands. When you get to your first match and you get your first stage brief, you know, you're going to be overwhelmed with so many tasks, safety, target acquisition, your dope, your gear, um, you know, positional, especially if you're not very uh, positional shooting, because again, you're probably training for a lot of things prior to your first match. Or I'm, I'm again, you know, depending on, the accessibility or how often you're able to go to the range and stuff like that. And you're probably quite unsure what to really focus on when you are training for a, your first competition. Um, I would say if you're training for your first competition, you at least need to ha have confidence with your rifle that whatever, um, you know, whatever you dial your scope to that you're, you're hitting your target at that distance, right? The last thing that you need to do is go into a match with uh, data that is all jacked up and you know you're nothing's lining up so at a minimum i would say that you should be working on that having confidence in that your rifle is hitting where you're, you're pointing at as long as you have the correct dial okay and then um wind right is another overwhelming tasks right is understanding okay well i need to make my initial opening up wind call all right what the what the heck is the wind doing and then maybe your pre-stage rifle setup so you know, once you get your stage brief, all these things are going in your head and you're like, okay, well, how do I cycle through this? Experience turns everything into clockwork, just like the fundamentals of marksmanship. Some of it becomes muscle memory and or unconscious competence, what Ken and I usually uh, talk about. And what unconscious competence is, is being able to free your brain up um, in order to accomplish other technical tasks of long range shooting. So, whereas, you know, the newer shooter, after he gets his class on fundamentals of marksmanship, he's thinking about all these things of shooting, you know, his breathing, his trigger press, you know, his load on his rifle and stuff like that. Well, you know, when instructor or someone that's been doing over and over again, when he gets to that, you know, when he's demonstrating or when he's shooting, you know, all of that is unconsciously processing through his brain. And now what that does is it, allows him to focus on other things of long range shooting uh, more importantly the wind you know so you could have the perfect i say this all the time in my class you could have the perfect trigger press but if your wind call sucks then i mean at the end of the day you just you just suck right you're not gonna hit your target i, I shouldn't say you just suck but you know and, and same thing goes with for uh, you know you could have the best you could be the best wind caller in the world but if you suck at pulling a trigger Right, you're not going to hit your target. Okay, so um, you know, going back to this original question, overall, hey, getting ready for my first competition in a few weeks, what do I prepare for? Um, you know, just go up there. You know, when you get to your squad, introduce yourself. Like, hey, and it's going to be really timid at first, right? You're going to be like, man, uh, you know, uh, it, hopefully, you're not an introvert. Um, 
and I say that because I, I, I sometimes <clears throat> can be introverted, but, uh, you know, going out there and be like, Hey, this is who I am. I'm very new to this. And, um, you know, that's what I did on my, during my first competition. Um, I was like, Hey, this is my first comp. This is my first civilian competition it was a, it was a local match. Um, and I'm, I'll get into that more in this podcast. It's, um, cause you know, that rolls into my next question about how to find a mentor. But, you know, when I got to my first match, like no one really knew that I was a, a sniper. Uh, it wasn't until like three or four matches, like matches later that they found out what I did. Um, you know, but I didn't come out the bat swinging like, Oh, I'm this Marine Corps scout sniper instructor. Um, because nobody cares <laughs> really. That's, that's, that's what it is. Um, and I was just there to get my, get, uh, better and, and figure out from these civilian shooters that were freaking awesome. Um, you know, how they were navigating to the stages and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I introduce yourself, be like, Hey, this is who I am. And then, you know, ask them to borrow their gear. If you, you know, see one of the guys in your squad, um, you know, kicking ass, he's like, Hey, you know, um, and, and usually for the most part, everyone in this community is super freaking awesome that if you ask them, Hey, can I borrow that piece of gear? They're going to give it to you. Um, I would say, you know, one in a hundred, they'd be like, no, no, use your own gear. Unless, you know, the, uh, unless the match director that you go to or the, the, uh, match you go to is designed to where you have to use your own bag at that point you're stuck. But you know, if it's a local match for most part, the match director, the match directors are really good about wanting to grow the sport. Right. Uh, and it, it's very new shooter oriented. So, okay. Again, going, going down my rabbit hole, introduce yourself, uh, you know, be cool, ask, uh, you know, ask for help. Okay. And, you know, observe how other shooters are kind of navigating and then ask questions, right? Don't be too afraid to ask questions. Um, but ask questions in small bites. And what I mean by that is just like when, you know, I talked about it in a podcast I posted about teaching my daughter. It's like, one thing that I found out as an instructor is as much as I am very passionate about teaching, I'm doing a disservice to my student when I try to expect I'm going to data dump 12 years of experience in uh, two or three days, however long that I have that student, right? So, you know, what I try to do is give that student small digestible bites for him to understand and comprehend and not only that but retain and i think that's the biggest thing with a uh, long-range shooting is the ability to retain all this technical information okay so you know uh, don't overwhelm yourself with too many questions when you're asking um and then um and if you can remember this try to have someone record you um, as you execute the course of fire so that you can look back at your videos and then, you know, you have a, essentially a baseline now, okay, of, of where you are, all right? And then use their, use the, um, their book, their shooting book or the course fire book to write notes. So after, you know, you get through done a course fire, write down, you know, two or three takeaways, like, hey, you know, I really need to work on my positional here. Um, you know, I pulled a bad couple of presses because my wobble zone, um, was way outside the target, uh, or I was just making bad wind calls. All right. So, 
Um, you know, I would say at least do three takeaways, right? Don't do more than three because you're just going to sit there and look at the book and try to figure out what you did wrong. Because what you need to be focusing on is what the shooters in front of you are doing and what the shooters, the other shooters in your squad and how they're navigating through that course of fire. All right. So just write down three things, you know, Hey, my positional was bad. Um, I was impatient on some trigger presses. Um, and you know, my follow through sucks. So you'd write down those three things. And if you do that for every stage, so it's a, a, a 10 part or a, a 10 stage course of fire or match. Now you've got 30 things written down. Okay. And let's say, you know, you've got positional written down on one, five, seven, and 10. All right. Then, you know, write down, Hey, uh, four stages out of 10, I had bad positional. And then let's say, uh, stages, you know, two, five, eight, you know, follow through. Uh, I've had, you know, three stages where my follow through is bad. So now, you know, you've pretty much ranking in order. Hey, these are the things that, um, I need to work on positional and then maybe follow through, you know, you can work those together uh, simultaneously hand in hand for, for, for training. So, um, hopefully kind of that all, all, all makes, makes sense. Um, the last thing I would say, you know, at a minimum, if you if you can, if it's in your budget to, to have um, it, to bring with you your first match is a set of binos. Um, if not, you know, usually there's guys out there, you, you know, already having binos. Just ask if especially if they're not um, getting ready to shoot. Um, hey, can I look through the glass real quick? But uh, it's always nice to have your own set of binos to be watching, especially, you know, let's say you're listening to this and you've already have two or three matches in under your belt and you're trying to figure out a way to get better reading the wind. All right. So, you know, if you've got two or three matches, you kind of really understand the flow of how, you know, your priorities work need to happen. Safety, you know, I can talk about safety, target acquisition, your dope, your gear, right? Now, once you, you know, set your rifle up the way you need to before you get called, what is the now thing that you're, you're, you need to focus on? Well, you need to focus on what's going on downrange. So, you know, the only way to get better at reading wind is by looking downrange and seeing what the wind is doing. Um, and, you know, with that, I invest in, you know, a, a nice set of binos uh, to be able to put on a tripod and stabilize. And, and so you can focus on what's going on downrange. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that answers a lot of guys' questions on, hey, um, going through my first competition in a couple of weeks, you know, what do you what do you recommend I should practice on? At the end of the day, what you should practice on is making sure that your rifle data is super good, right? Um, you know, maybe practice a few positional, but really just hammer down your fundamentals in the prone. You know, your your breathing, your follow through, uh, being able to spot your impacts and make corrections, right? Because that's, I mean, really that's the name of the game with uh, individual precision rifle competitions like the PRS series and then NRL series when you're shooting individually. Yeah, you're not making your own wind calls because usually for the most part, everyone's sharing the wind calls um, unless you're doing like a blind stage. But when you get up there, you know, and you miss because wind changed directions and stuff like that. I mean, at that point, it, it does become an individual sport because you you have to apply your own correction now to get back on target. Okay, so being able to manage your recoil and spot your own impact uh, and make the correction is, is the name of the game. And that's why I love it so much because it, it, it easily transfers to being a rifleman, uh, or a sniper in the military, 
right? A lot of times you see in, in Hollywood movies and stuff like that. Kayla and I talk about this all the time. Like you're working in a shooter sniper or shooter spotter dynamic and your spotter's always there to, you know, uh, give you corrections. Well, guess what? When you're in a firefight, you want every freaking gun in that fight. And sometimes that, that requires all six guns to be in the fight. So who's going to be observing for you? No one. The only person that's going to be observing for you is yourself. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my rant on that. Moving on to the, the second question, uh, which is how do I find a, a mentor? I, I really like this uh, question uh, because, you know, surprising enough, I, I have mentors in this shooting community that I look up to, not only because of the shooting aspect of life, but uh, in just life in general. Um, so going back to how do I find a mentor? Because, you know, the PRS and the NRL um, I would say that the precision rifle shooting community diving into it could be a little bit intimidating at first. Um, but I'm there to tell you firsthand. I mean, it's a, it's a, such a great community. And, and I think that's why my transition out of the Marine Corps was so seamless is because I was able to still connect to, to like-minded people in the competitive shooting sport. Um, <clears throat> You know, everyone there that I've met is so helpful. Um, you know, everyone wants to know how you're doing. Everyone's, you know, for the most part, cheering you on and stuff like that. Where, you know, you're not going to get... Because the guys that are talking smack um, on, on like Facebook and, and Cyberside about competitions, whatever, they don't, they're not the ones showing up, all right? They're on their keyboard... Um, in their keyboard warriors and stuff like that. Um, and they're not out there putting in the work, right? So usually you get these very genuine people that, that care uh, care about their ability as a shooter and they, again, want to pass it on to uh, other shooters. So anyways, um, finding a mentor, right? How I found my mentors in the shooting community was by going to my uh, local competitions uh, every month. All right, so uh, every third Sunday, uh, and this was in California, right? Out of all places, right? Um, California, I was a Scout Cyber School instructor already, and uh, I had been attending these uh, local matches. It was um, the team was called SoCal Precision Rifle Team, and the matches were held at a West End Gun Club. And if you're listening to this and you're in Southern California, stationed on Pendleton, uh, for, for last time I checked, they're still doing matches there. Um, reach out to me on Instagram and, you know, let me know, Hey, I'm in California. Um, can you put me in contact with those SoCal guys? Uh, and I, and I'd, I'd, I'd happily love to, because, um, those, all, all those guys are super good dudes or I, I would consider them all my really good friends. Um, because it, it's cool. Cause we can hang outside, um, outside of the, the, uh, it doesn't have to be a shooting event for us to be able to hang out. That's why I love these guys a lot. SoCal Precision Rifle Team, and, and uh, they would gladly take you in. Um, anyways, so, um, you know, I attended my first comp, and then I started going, you know, um, you know, not religiously, but every month, you know, third Sunday, I'd, I'd make the hour and a half drive up to um, the West End Gun Club, and you know started shooting with these shooters and um james jeffries 
James, if you're listening to this, I hate you and I love you at the same time. But James was pretty much uh, running the show up there. He was the one setting up the matches. And, you know, he put up a really good course to fire because at West End Gun Club, I mean, the furthest range we could shoot at was really 300 yards. Um, so I, I would say a, um, a reason why I got really good at positional shooting was because of uh, these local matches here at, um, you know, West End Gun Club. And eventually, you know, um, the top, I mean, top shooters that I started looking into when I started, you know, Googling uh, the Precision Rifle Series because uh, the National Rifle League wasn't, um, it wasn't born yet. So, you know, top shooters at SoCal, um, Solomon Monansala, uh, who also became a really, really um, good mentor of mine and a really good friend. Um, he hadn't shown up until maybe like four or five matches later um, when I finally got to meet him. Uh, but, you know, when we finally did meet, I mean, he pretty much took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ropes of uh, long-range shooting, you know, how to, you know, settle down and stuff like that. Because just by watching me and, you know, um, observing the way my style of shooting, he was just able to identify kind of my weaknesses. Like, hey, like, maybe that works for you in, you know, uh, your, you know, sniper space, not sniper space, but uh, maybe that works for you. Um, in your community as a sniper, um, but, you know, why not just play the game? And so I took that, and I was like, man, that's he's right, you know. Um, you know, because, you know, one thing that I, I try to do is still have an on and off switch uh, as, as far as, like, okay, um, I would do this. This is just a game as a competitor, and I, I'd re- I would really do this as a sniper. And, you know, building my uh, shooting positions um, off of a positional shooting has has changed greatly uh, and, and now I can still I still think that it's completely practical for a um, military law enforcement sniper to still employ these techniques uh, in a practical environment so um, again you know how do you find a mentor show up observe I mean you don't even have to shoot for your first time I know a couple guys that that would just show up and just kind of check the scene out and stuff like that and kind of just see what, what the match is about, um, you know, and then introduce yourself and what your goals are. And, you know, I, I told these guys like, hey, I'm I'm just looking here to get better at my craft and I just kind of want to learn everything there is to know about long range that the, the military doesn't teach us, right? Because, again, up, up until um, what I knew about long range shooting up to that point was everything that the Marine Corps taught me. Um, I'm not saying that my instructors weren't awesome. You know, all my instructors were great, you know, all up until that point. My instructors at the basic course, my instructors at Mountain Sniper, Urban Sniper, and um, even Advanced Sniper. And guys, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not trying to, um, you know, the la- I hate throwing my resume out there just because I feel like no one cares and it's irrelevant. Um, but some of you guys, to you guys, you know, you, you guys appreciate it. Um, and I appreciate that you appreciate it. For me it, and Kalen, it always sounds like we're just boasting about ourselves. But anyways, um, I would say that I learned a lot more about my individual individual shooting capability um, going to a competition or a few competitions um, than what I learned at, 
you know, all these other advanced schools, right? And again, these schools gave me an awesome foundation to, to fall back on and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, when you go to these advanced schools, like, you know, they're not teaching us anything new. They're preaching, hey, understand the basics um, and, and understand that in order for you to succeed at this class, you have to go back to the basics and you have to um, master the basics of, you know, long range shooting, fundamentals, marksmanship, all that stuff. So with that, you know, introduce yourself to the guys at the local match, you know, let them know what your goals are and that you're looking to get into long range shooting and, you know, you kind of just need a, a place to start and, and I'm telling you, they're going to take you under your wing uh, and hopefully, you know, show you the ropes. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions and for yourself, write down realistic, short and attainable goals, right? So like, hey, you know, I want to be able to... Um, you know, I saw it on my feed the other day of a, of a friend of mine that I just met, uh, uh, Corey Vogus down, down in Texas. And, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, he wrote down his goals for this year, which I thought was awesome, you know, cause you know, he is an aspiring top level shooter. And what for me, when I looked at that, you know, it, it, it showed me that there are people out there, um, that are, establishing a baseline and, and goals for themselves to attain I mean just like anything else in life right um, you know I mean <laughs> when I set out on this journey to teach shooters long-range shooting you know yeah I always tell myself okay <laughs> my end goal is to go out and show other snipers that I'm I'm okay with going out there, putting myself out there and getting my ass kicked by the dentist or the gardener, right? Because I, I get that, I mean, that's what happens, or the pilot, and that's what happens all the time, right? Um, but I know the benefits of going to a competition, um, and I figure that if, if they see me out there doing it, it would inspire them to do it too. But at the end of the day, as a competitive person that I am, yeah, I, I do want to hopefully finish in the top 10 when I go to a match or hopefully finish top 10 in the season. Right. Um, but you know, I think, and that's a whole nother podcast in itself. And I know that I say that a lot, but, um, you know, the mental aspect of being at the top level of a competition, right. Um, it, it really boils down to your mental attitude because, you know, I feel other than maybe, um, you know, some a little bit of impatience. I, I feel like when you're at the highest level, um, you know, the, the people that are edging me out in these competitions, I feel like we, we press the trigger and we, you know, we, we all have the same good fundamentals. It's just who can kind of pull their head out of their ass if they have a bad stage or, you know, get through uh, a stage without making any mental mistakes. So anyways, um, you know, so for mentors, I would say I have kind of you know, two, three sets of mentors, right? Uh, Competition-based, uh, you know, long-range mentors. And, um, you know, my tactical and overall mentors, um, you know, in this industry. So uh, for my competitive, you know, uh, mentors that I look up to, and I mean, these guys, they, they don't even compete. Well, two out of three of them, I'd say, don't compete as much. But, um, you know, after a match, they're still always reaching out to me and they're, trying to make sure that I'm not getting in my own head 
But uh, Solomon Monansala, I mean, you know, everyone knows Solomon. Probably one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. Um, he's my, he's kind of like my Yoda. And uh, he taught me everything I need to know about reloading. Um, and James Jeffries, um, you know, both Solomon and James both, you know, not only, you know, mentor me in the, and this is what I love about the community, mentor me about the long range shooting aspect, but, you know, they also mentor me in life, right? Because uh, Solomon and James are both uh, fathers and husbands and stuff like that. So, you know, their actions, um, I'm able to watch and, and try to emulate because, you know, they're both awesome dads and um, awesome uh, uh, husbands. And, you know, just like anything in life, like, you know, in order for me to be good at something, right, um, I mean, I, I, I ran into this in the Marine Corps all the time. Uh, if, in order for me to com be completely in the zone for my duties as a Marine Corps scout sniper, I needed to make sure that everything at home, at the home front, was good, right? So my relationship with my, uh, my significant other, the, my relationship with my daughter, my family, I needed to make sure that was all good before moving into, you know, a class or getting ready for deployment, right? Because the last thing that I need in my head is, uh, you know, man, me and my, um, you know, me and my little one haven't talked in a while or whatever the case is. You guys know where I get with this, right? Um, so that's why I appreciate having mentors like Solomon and James. Um, and then for like a completely competitive, like straight competition mentor, um, you know, indirectly, he, him and I hit each other up every now and then. Um, but uh, he he he's essentially from kind of the same community I am, uh, but Maddie Ma Matthew Brousseau, everyone knows Maddie B, very talented shooter. Um, he's got two golden bullets, um, but uh, not uh, you know what people see on like Facebook and Instagram is him and I, or he's always taking jabs at me, uh, but it's all in good fun because he knows I can handle it. Um, but you know he always messages me after a comp. He's like, man, dude, just get out of your own head. Um, or getting ready for a comp, you know, tell me good luck. And, uh, you know, just he just tries to remind me like, hey, just it's all mental, man. And, you know, it's stuff like that I appreciate. Um, so moving from the competition side of the house to, let's say, the tactical side of the house and the overall, like, being in the industry mentorship, um, definitely Kalen, uh, who's not here right now, um, and Frank Galley, right? When I was a scout sniper school instructor, those were the two names that always came up in my research uh, into the, you know, as I was diving into the um, art of being a modern day sniper. And what I mean by that is when my students started asking me why, not because, oh, why, why should I do that? When they, my students started asking me why for a deeper understanding, my answers of because that's just the way it is i mean to me that wasn't suffice and i wanted a deeper understanding for myself to be able to articulate to my students a little better understanding of uh, certain things so you know i would look uh, into the articles that kaylin has written uh and, and frank has written on cyberside and what was so cool was even though i hadn't met kaylin and frank by then 
uh, we all we were all speaking the same language all of our um, ideologies were the same and now that I'm in the community I've done a couple podcasts with Frank and you know Kaylin and I are working on this modern day sniper project together um, you know I still look it's up to them as mentors because I can I see how they um, still carry themselves in the industry and stuff like that so um, you know hopefully that kind of answers your question about how to find a, a mentor uh, in this uh, in this community um, you know I would say that um, you just be just be mindful of someone's time you know um, but just because you're not directly um, engaging with them doesn't mean that they're not mentoring you at the same time you know so just based off of their actions you could be inspired to do better um, and hopefully that I mean that's what I aspire to be is when I put information and content out there I'm aspiring to inspire other people to be better at their craft especially other precision riflemen okay um, and and really snipers right so you know hopefully a, a sniper that's watching my content realizes that man i'm not as good as i think i am um how the hell do i get better well maybe i should start looking for local competitions to get my um, dick stomped in right by the local gardener or the dentist right and then figure out how to pull my head out of my ass to just be more lethal on the battlefield um so one thing I think is pretty cool that I never really told these guys. Um, well, I think I did tell them. Uh, so again, the, the SoCal Precision Rifle Team, you know, the group of guys that I told you at first when I first started competing, these are the guys that kind of brought me in and, um, you know, that made my transition out of the Marine Corps seamless is, you know, you know, we, we started shooting these two big national level matches and, and that that's another thing is that it takes when you when you get at you know with a, a group of individuals that are shooting and these guys are straight hobbyists right that like long range shooting to them is a hobby and maybe there's like one or two that really take it to the next level of being you know a top level competitor like myself and Solomon but for the most part I mean these guys are just you know um, it's a hobby for them and we would go out and we would, you know, uh, plan a match together. That's all driving distance, Arizona, um, Utah, uh, uh, a, a, a California match that Ryan Kerr hosted, um, and NorCal, uh, you know, my very first match, but, you know, we would all plan it and it would help, uh, save on costs. And then, you know, we would all just hang out and, you know, by getting into that group and learning about things that I wasn't originally taught in the Marine Corps and now taking everything that they're kind of teaching me of, you know, civilian long range shooting, um, you know, their influence on me indirectly shaped the future of the scout cyber community. I would say from 2015 to, you know, 2018 area when I was there and, you know, um, and the reason I say that is, is because, you know, I realized that, okay, Hey, this is what is being taught. I'm going to teach it, but I'm going to spin it in a way in which, 
um, it's not a regurgitation. It's based off of um, hard experiences from what I've learned as a shooter, right? Because uh, during my time at the Scout Sniper Schoolhouse, when I was teaching there, I was the marksmanship instructor for all three years. So that is why I say that you know those guys indirectly shaped the future of the Scout Sniper community because I was always talking with, or I was always taking my learnings from these guys and trying to plan it to the future um, students or the future snipers in the community as they were going through the, the schoolhouse. So again, hopefully that answers uh, your question about how to find a mentor. You know, just, just be cognizant of, you know, that individual's time, you know, but, uh, you know, write down some goals and, you know, as, as, uh, as you dive into the art of long range shooting, I'm sure there are a lot of things that might be unclear for the first time. And, you know, you write down those questions and the next time that you engage with your uh, friend or your mentor, um, you know, ask him. So, um, but, but I think it, it all just stems from being a good dude first, right? Like, you know, it's hard to find a mentor if that mentor a, is a douchebag or if he thinks you're a douchebag, right? One thing that uh, James had said to me, um, I think he had met a sniper in the past. And this is, you know, when him and I started, we're, we're starting to get to know each other. And, you know, this sniper, like the very first thing that he said um, when they first met was the fact that he was a sniper. Like, I mean, most of these guys didn't find out that I was a sniper until, I don't know, maybe like my fourth or fifth match. Um, but I mean, if you, if you're a sniper and you come out of the gate swinging and, you know, throwing your dick out there, it's like, <laughs> no one cares, bro. Um, but if you're humble about it, right. People are going to like you. I, I think that's just, I think that's just fact. But anyways, um, moving into, uh, moving into the next, um, question that I have is, hey, Phil, I'm getting into long-range shooting. This is a very popular question. Hey, Phil, I'm getting into uh, uh, long-range shooting. Uh, I need help with a caliber, um, 6.5 Creedmoor or 308 for my first long-range rifle, okay? Uh, this is a tough question because, um, you know, uh, biasly, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna swing you toward a 308 because I, I was brought up on a 308 or the 7.62 by 51, um, cartridge uh, that we utilize in the m48a3 series or m40 series rifles but um 308 versus 6.5 and what i'm going to tell you is it's, it's going to be based off your application of what you plan on using with your long range rifle right and i'm just going to throw some numbers out here and these numbers i were all derived from the uh hornady ballistics app okay but you need to ask yourself, okay, what am I going to do with this long range rifle? Am I going to use it strictly as a, um, you know, uh, long range enthusiast looking to maybe do some competitions and be competitive, uh, uh, someday? Um, am I going to be hunting with it? Right. Or am I going to be do mostly just, you know, long range shooting and I want to be able to shoot it to a, a thousand yards consistently and stuff like that on, let's say, um, you know, uh, MOA to two MOA size, two to three MOA size targets. Okay. So I would say that if you're going to be hunting with it, using it for, you know, um, primarily 
you know, to, to practice and, but you know, like I said, hunting, if you're going to be using it for practice, you know, getting better at long range and ultimately hunting, um, you want to go with the six, five Creedmoor, uh, six, five Creedmoor at the end of the day has a uh, better ballistics over the 308. We all know that it's, it's everywhere all over the internet. Okay. And there's a lot better bullet selection for six, five Creedmoor, uh, especially for hunting. Um, and uh, guys, I, I mean, I have, I have customer gunworks customers that are taking down 350 plus elk with six, five Creedmoors out to 600 yards. All right. It's all about shot placement in order for you, but in order for you to be able to take a 650, 700 yard shot. Okay. Um, and, and have really good shot placement. You need to be able to dope the wind. Right. Um, and you just need to be comfortable behind the rifle. And how do you do that? You need to shoot more by shooting these heavy ass calibers, like the 300 wind mag on a light frame or like a 338. I, I bet you, you probably don't, don't shoot more than 15 to 20 rounds per session. And you probably, I mean, hell, let's say that you only shoot, uh, 20 rounds a year, like Kalen and I talked about, cause you're, you know, you're just that average hunter. Um, you know, in order for you to get better at long range shooting, you have to shoot long range and you have to shoot it in volume because, you know, you have to be able to sh shoot a lot in the wind to be able to figure out what the wind is doing. Uh, and you have to be able to shoot, you know, long ranges to be able to understand how to manage the recoil and spot your own impacts and make corrections, stuff like that. <clears throat> you're not going to get better at doing that if you're shooting three to seven rounds or, you know, seven to 10 rounds. Um, every time you go practice because the recoil is beating up. Anyways, 6.5 Creedmoor would be the way to go over the 308, okay? But if, if you're looking to just be proficient in being a precision rifleman, if you're an enthusiast, you're not really a hunter like I was before I got into Gunworks, right? Um, and, and another thing too is like, okay, well, what's my local range, right? Uh, and this is specifically for kind of like the California guys, right? Hey, like, you know, I want to get into long range shooting, but, you know, based off my schedule, I don't have the ability to travel as much and shoot as much. Um, but um, in California, especially in SoCal, you've got ASR, you've got West End Gun Club and a couple of ranges that, you know, only go out to about six. Uh, ASR goes out to 600 yards. So it's like, OK, that's the furthest I can shoot maybe um, for, for a while until maybe I start thinking about getting into competitive shooting. At that point, what I would do is I'd invest in a 308. And here's why. If you're buying a 6.5 Creedmoor, right, versus a 308, you're buying a 6.5 Creedmoor because you want to be able to, um, you know, shoot out to a thousand yards on the daily um, and eventually work your way into being a competitive shooter. Well, you know, I would say inside 600 yards, right? You're, other than, you know, unless winds are super high, you're kind of splitting hairs uh, between um, the ballistics between the 308 and the 6.5 Creedmoor. Uh, so when I would go to ASR, I would like to bring my six my 308 out with me. Um, this is when I was in California. ASR stands for Angeles Shooting Range. And I would bring my 308 because the furthest target that we would shoot is 600 yards. So there's no point in wasting my 6.5 Creedmoor ammo only for 600 yards. It, hopefully, if that makes sense, okay? Um, anyways, let's, let's talk six, five Creedmoor versus 308. Uh, and this is just straight numbers based off of ballistics, right? You might want to write this down. Okay. Um, but, and, and this is, so for the 308 bullet that I chose, very popular bullet, 
175 Sierra Match King, um, and it's moving, let's say, 2,700 feet per second. And that's assuming that you're probably running a 24 to 26 inch barrel. If you're buying a factory rifle, if you got like a 20 inch barrel, your most velocity should be a lot slower. Just keep that in mind. Okay, so very popular factory ammunition for 308 is the Federal Gold Medal Match 168s or 175s. In this case, I chose the 175s because that's what I'm used to. The G7 coefficient for that bullet is 0.243. For a 6.5 Creedmoor, um, the bullet that I selected to do the test is a 140 grain ELEM Hornady uh, at 2700 feet per second. All right, so that's how fast our cur currently Gunworks rifle guns are shooting. That's a 22 inch barrel. All right, keep in mind again, if you've got a longer barrel, your most velocity might be a little higher or if you're doing your ha own hand loads. But for that 140 ELEM, that ballistic coefficient is 0.326. All right, so I've got both these guns based off my solver going the exact same speed, 2700 feet per second out of the pipe. Based off the G7 coefficient at this point, the 6.5 Creedmoor already, you know, is a lot higher than the the uh, the 140 grain. The 6.5 Creedmoor is a lot higher than the uh, uh, 308. All right, my drop in inches at a thousand yards is um, for the 6.5 Creedmoor is 319 inches, right? 0.31 inches. And the drop at a thousand yards for the 308 is 387.46 yards, all right? And that is a difference of about 68 inches, so close to six feet of drop at a thousand difference, all right? So that, that just tells you that the 6.5 Creedmoor is a lot flatter, right? Because that coefficient of that bullet, even though it's a lot lighter, right? because of the aerodynamic shape of it, right? Um, that bullet's able to retain its velocity a lot better than that 308, okay? Wind drift at 10 miles an hour at 1,000 yards, 105 inches for the 308 versus 72 inches uh, for the 6.5 Creedmoor, all right? So 33 inches, um, so close to three feet um, of difference of, of, uh, of wind drift between the both at 1,000. And then um, if you're in mills, the gun number for a 308 is four miles an hour, where the gun number for 65 Creedmoor is six miles an hour. If you're unfamiliar with that gun number is, listen to episode four that Kaylin and I talked about finding your gun number. Okay. Um, and remaining velocity at a 65 Creedmoor is 1411 feet per second versus the remaining velocity for a 308 is 1155 feet per second. All right, uh, matter energy at 1,000 yards, 619 feet versus uh, 518. And, you know, so at, at this point, 6.5 Creedmoor outweighs the 308 in terms of uh, just ballistics. Now, barrel life, okay, is it a whole nother story. Obviously, with the 308, the 308's barrel life is known to go north of 8,000 rounds. All right, I was told 10,000, but uh, I honestly... Um, I haven't burned out a, a, a 308 barrel um, because in the Marine Corps we, we would, you know, we'd have rifles uh, every so often, and the schoolhouse rifles, um, we, we they would get pulled uh, no matter what at about um, uh, five six thousand rounds. Uh, so I would never see, uh, and, and you know sometimes when they got pulled, uh, they were still shooting pretty good. So. Um, the next is a uh, 6.5 Creedmoor. I've, I've taken a 6.5 Creedmoor out to about 3,600 rounds. Um, it was still shooting, but I pulled it. But, uh, you know, they're they're known to go about 3,000 rounds, okay? And it, it just depends on how hard you're running it, right? Just like, you know, I get the question asked a, a lot. It's like, hey, um, 
what's the barrel life on you know six five cream or depends on how hard you run it i mean it's like asking a, a father of a 16 year old kid hey you know um how 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 long did your your truck last um before you handed you turned over the keys to your kids right um where they got heavy foot and stuff like that so it just depends on how hard you're running it um but you know a good number i would say i'm confident in saying it six fire creed more three thousand in a barrel life for 308 is about uh eight thousand plus okay um so i mean i don't know if this answers your question uh, of if six my six point five Creedmoor versus three hundred eight is better for your first long range rifle, it ultimately just depends on your application, right? And and your availability of your you you shooting out to the range, and the availability of ammo in your area. Okay, if you're reloading, um, if you're just going to be shooting factory, right? Um, if you're going to buy ammunition, one thing to keep in mind is you want to buy as much as you can afford. Uh, of the same lot because you know a lot to lot differences in factory ammo can change especially with muzzle velocity especially if you're shooting very far okay um, i've seen swings of 50 to 75 feet per second from lot to lot right um in just uh in just ammo factory differences so um, the last thing you want to do is just buy you know 20 rounds at a time a box of at a time and now you got 30 different lots right so um that would say that that'd be a a, a phil's food for thought there um and you know so you got to ask yourself okay if i'm hunting with it if you're ultimately going to be hunting with it as well that's that's where i would lean more toward the 6.5 creed more okay because the 6.5 creed more um, is capable of taking down a lot of north american game surprisingly um you know it's just it's just it's a it's a proven round um you know and you know for 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 everyone out there that's like, oh, you don't need a 308 or you don't need a 6.5 Creedmoor, the 308 is just fine. Um, name your place um, and time and I will take you with one of my 6.5 Creedmoors uh, and you can take your 308 and you know we'll go shot for shot um, and I promise you that 6.5 Creedmoor will um, whoop that ass. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, um, yeah, so if you're looking to hunt 6.5 Creedmoor and maybe, you know, do some competition 6.5 Creedmoor, but if you're just an enthusiast, you know, you know, you just want to learn about the, you know, uh, long range shooting, um, you know, you have no intentions of, uh, yeah, you have no intentions of competing. Um, this is all just for yourself, you know, start with the 308. Okay, there's nothing wrong with the 308 and eventually, you know, it, it'll be a while and I hear this all the time. It's like, well, if I start with a 308, I could eventually just burn out my barrel and then, uh, and eventually just uh, swap it out. It's like, man, it's going to be a while before you burn your barrel out. And you know, if you, if you do burn your barrel out, like my hat's off to you. Um, because I know that takes, it takes a while to do that. Uh, especially for the average shooter that is not going out to the range every day. Okay. All right, guys, we're coming up on, on, uh, on the hour here and you know one one thing that i just wanted to leave you with is are you the consumer or are you the executor or applicator i, I posted this on my instagram a, a couple days um it was a screenshot of my sniper's hide uh comment of an individual that looked at one of my uh, videos the rifle shoulder connection and if you haven't checked that out 
Uh, check on my Instagram at Vallejo underscore zero three one seventeen if you're trying to figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, it's also on my YouTube channel, um, Philip Vallejo, uh, and it's called the Rifle Shoulder Connection. And you know, um, someone had made a comment saying that holy crap, uh, I just checked this out, and I mean, you know, I went from shooting uh, bad groups to like point five. MOA subgroups consistently and now I'm able to you know manage my recoil and, and actually see uh, my impacts and now I've got like less um, I'm not reading this comment off directly guys I've got less neck pain okay so I, I, I posted that and I wrote in my in my caption are you the consumer or ex executor because I mean at the tip of our fingers we have all this information out there and everyone want there's a lot more consumers than there are executors meaning there are a lot more people out there just wanting to consume information and not doing anything with it like what good is information without your ability to execute or apply on it or act on it right um and you know one thing that frustrates me is when we when i, when I push out information out there um, and you know, people don't do anything about it or they, they ask questions, um, you know, with, with, without the intent of even, um, executing on it because, you know, maybe I'll go to their page and I, I'll realize that, you know, I mean, they're, you know, they, they just are not doing anything different. Right. So, um, ask yourself, are you, I mean, Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you are the executor. You're, you're not only consuming this information, but you're taking this information, you're applying it to the best of your understanding. And, you know, again, you're learning your own truths about, about this. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, this was fun. Um, this is a, you know, this took, a, you know, my morning of a, of a Saturday. I've been thinking about doing this pretty much all week. And uh, while Kalen's enjoying the, um, hot sun and, and weather of Costa Rica. Um, you know, the three questions that I asked, uh, or the, that I answered were, um, you know, going to my first competition in a few weeks, any tips? Uh, we also talked about, you know, how to find a mentor and, you know, six, five Creedmoor versus three Oh eight for your first long range rifle. All right, guys, Kaylin and I appreciate everyone's support on this podcast. Um, we see it all the time when you guys tag, we love it when you tag us, um, when a new episode comes out or when you're listening to it, when you screenshot and you post about it, uh, that's awesome. You know, and that's the best way to thank us really. Um, and you know, when you guys hit us up on, on Instagram and, and let us know, Hey, thank you. Um, really, you know, the best way you can thank us is by again, taking this information and applying yourself, finding your own truths. And then also, um, you know, the best way you can thank us is by referring a friend, refer a partner, you know, um, your, uh, your spotter at per se, um, someone that may be, might be in the fence of getting a long range shooting, you know, send him our way, send him to this podcast, if, especially if he's a podcast guy. And, uh, you know, Kaylin and I are, are looking forward to doing more of these where it's just kind of um, individual and we're knocking out some Q and A's that we get in our inbox. Okay. Cause I'm sure Kaylin also has a slew of his uh, questions. We definitely appreciate everyone's support uh, to the podcast, everyone's positive comments on it. And, you know, again, we're looking forward to doing more. Don't forget to tag us when you um, listen to this episode. And, and next time you guys are at the range applying some of this information, um, don't forget, keep your face on the gun.
Thanks, guys. See you next time.